cannabis topics in less than 10 minutes. Let's go. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. I'm Brian Fields, and with me, as always, is Kellen Finney. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Kingpin and founder of Gentleman Smugglers, Barry Foy. Barry, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? Good, man. It's really uh, it's going to be fun to uh, talk with you guys. Um, I've listened to some of y'all's uh, podcasts. Y'all kind of dive deep, and that's what it takes to learn about this business. You know, it's, it's a very complicated one. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be fun. So, Barry, typically when we dive in, I ask the guests to describe how they got into the cannabis industry and if there was any hesitations. But given your unique history and experience, I'd prefer we we do it a little differently. With one sentence, can you describe the gentleman smugglers, how big the organization was and, and kind of the goal or, or or how it started? Well, you know, it started in the early 70s, and the goal was just to kind of get get the plant to folks that were in need. You know, I kind of started out selling to a lot of uh, GIs that were, that were shipping out to Vietnam back in the early seventies. And uh, that's kind of how I got my start. And one thing led to another, as far as, you know, how that evolved into tons and tons of, uh, of cannabis. It started out with uh, very simple roots, but grew as kind of people's attitude changed as the seventies you know, it was a kind of a, a cultural revolution of sorts, 60s and 70s, and the people loved um, cannabis. And so it was kind of a natural fit for me. My background early on with dealing with um, people on a small level, uh, I, I and I love working with people that I've worked with over the years. And so it's been fun. It was that it was really a very simple way that I got into it. And, and I just kept the ball rolling. And one it's like climbing that ladder you know one rung after another and the next thing i know you know we got a fleet of boats and and crews and people all over the world doing doing cannabis business and so it's it started with humble beginnings and ended in a fairly massive scale can you give some context when you say massive scale just for our listeners well the government you know says that we were you know up there around 200 tons of cannabis and maybe 50 or 60 or 70 tons of hashish from Lebanon. So we were kind of, I would say global in the end, uh, for sure, uh, before the feds finally caught up with us, but massive amounts, um, tractor trailer loads, you know, large ship loads. And so it, it, it was, it was fairly big, but it also was to me, as I look back a reminder of, it was always, we never had enough. It's not like today, like it's very competitive in the legal world. It was, we never had enough. People are always going, well, when's the next trip? When's the next load? When when are we going to be there again? From 1971 to 1986, I read your team imported over 250 tons valued at over $1 billion. And at age 21, you had your first million dollars in cash. Are, if those information is correct, what is it like as a 21-year-old having a million dollars in cash? It was um it was eye opening to say the least. Uh it was it it was something that um I guess it'd be like winning the lottery, you know, the Powerball or something, uh, and what the hell are we gonna do with all this? 
fortunately, as I made money, I put a lot of my money back into the business, keep things going, which was a, a, a something that, you know, I did to, to build on my, um, on the, the group I was working with and what our goals were and, and, and the pressure that was on us to keep supply available for, um, the people that we, you know, uh, kind of came up with, so to speak, and that were distributors on the East coast. We distributed well, really from Chicago, we're mostly west of the Mississippi. We were everywhere, you know, Atlanta, Chicago, New York, New Jersey, Boston, Washington, D.C., um, on and on. So we had quite a quite a bit of um, customers to take care of. And, and, and having that kind of money at an early age really kind of prepared me for what was to come because that was just kind of like a, a drop in the bucket compared to what it was became 10 years later um and what we were doing 10 years later and 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 that 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 money was um was good but it was also part of just it wasn't something that I sat around and dwelled on you know gosh we got this it was kind of a, just gave me more tools in the tool chest so to speak now th- yes we had a good time and 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 money never was an object you know we wanted to jump on a on a jet, we'd jump on our private jet. If we had a boat we wanted to be on, we had our own boats and ponies and whatnot. But um, we really, I used a lot of my money to reinvest, to 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 build the business. And so it required a lot. When you had a lot of people that were working for you and you had a lot of a fleet of boats, et cetera. So there was quite a large amount of expenses involved. Let's do a quick rapid fire. Go ahead. True or false? You can be both a gentleman and a smuggler. True. Favorite purchased item, good, or toy during your smuggling days? Uh, Porsches. (laughs) One particular? All of them. (laughs) (laughs) Best weed you've ever smoked? Blue Dream. Product or idea that you always wanted to make happen but can never could? That's a good question. Um... I'm still chasing it. Um, old school hash. Bigger challenge, smuggling hundreds of tons and avoiding five government agencies or compliance in the legal cannabis industry. That's easy compliance. <laughs> the most beautiful place you've ever visited. Oh, wow. That's, that's, a, mm, that's a tough one there. I was always, I thought that St. Bart's down in the Caribbean was always one of the most beautiful places that I'd ever been. So if you know St. Martin, St. Bart's, yeah. Dream smoking session, three people dead or alive. Jesus Christ. Well, Jimi Hendrix would be one for sure. You don't want to put Jesus as the second one? Is or no, baby Jesus, maybe. Um, you know. No. Bobby uh Jimi Hendrix and Will Farrell. <laughs> That would be my favorite two or three. Is there any countries you felt like with money and your relationships, you could get around anything? The Bahamas. True or false, in Lebanon, you paid both sides, the military and the rebels, long enough to load your boat. That's true. Was that, is that easy or hard? Well, it went, went through their connections that we had there. They, we, they had, we, they were given the money to take care of that. And when the time came that, it was time to load then they understood that 
both sides are going to get money that they needed to stop to get paid. And so yeah, that, that shows you what what money can do. Pretty uh, much pretty much anything. Yes. <laughs> As operating in the legal cannabis market surprised you. Is operating in the legal market surprised me? Yeah. Um, it took me a while to adjust to the fact that it was actually I could talk about it in the open. You know, it, it was something that um, it, it took me a while. But um, so the surprise was slow and uh, a slow coming surprise. Yeah. When someone reaches for your brand, what do you want them to expect? Quality uh, would be at the top of the list. And also options. I want to have some options like we're now producing uh, vape carts. Uh, we do eights, pre-rolls. We'll have a concentrate coming out sometime in the next couple of months. I really want people to have choices um, because so many people have different ways of consuming today. And that premium choices would be would be how I describe that. What uh, are there any other future states uh, that you're looking at um, besides New Mexico that we spoke about earlier? Well, we talked about New Mexico earlier. Missouri, we've looked um, at folks in Missouri. It's a very good state to be in from a business standpoint, but it's also very difficult to get into. Uh, and that's how I, we've we've kind of found it so far. We'd love to be in New York and New Jersey when things start to kind of uh, come together. I think they're a little bit scattered right now. Barry, for our listeners, they want to get in touch. They want to buy Gentleman Smugglers products. Where can they find you? Bass, go on our website. We have a, a locator. We're here in Massachusetts right now, soon to be in New Mexico, um, hopefully. It's on our website, uh, gentlemansmugglers.com. Go take a look. Try us out. Um, so far, we've really been uh, um, we've been happy with the responses we've gotten from our consumers. Um, I constantly hear it when I'm on the road. I do these little mini tours, and um, we're in I think we're close to 60 dispensaries in Massachusetts. So uh, it's one near you. Awesome. We'll link it all in the show notes. Thanks for taking the time. This was fun. Hey, man, I enjoyed it. It was good seeing y'all. Nice meeting you. And I hope to see you in person. Likewise. Yes, sir. Guys, if you've enjoyed this podcast over the last few years, can you please take three minutes or less and leave us a quick review on Apple or Spotify? All reviews make a massive difference for us and help other people like you find this podcast. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, my name is Leah Babrudi, and I'm the founder and host of Canachicks Podcast, where I discuss cannabis, psychedelics, and other natural medicines. I not only interview people who use them as treatment for different conditions, but also the entrepreneurs who share their knowledge on how they built their businesses. If this sounds interesting to you, give my show a listen. I'm sure you'll learn something that'll surprise you.